This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. It's an audacious scam. In fact, we won't blame you if you almost admire the sheer brilliance that goes into this racket. But for the victims involved, there's a lot at stake as individuals masquerading as police officers threaten them with arrest for crimes they didn't commit. But wait until you see where this scam is being run from. South Africa, for criminals, a land of milk and honey. Be it violent crime or complex cons, the opportunities are sadly endless. This story centers around ladies of the night, counterfeit money, rape allegations, corrupt cops and extortion. But if there's one thing we've learned over the years, is that everything is not always as it seems. It all starts with a call to a sex worker. Whether the hookup followed or not, we can't confirm. But here is what we know happens next. The client gets a call within days of contacting the girl. Uh, Mr. Uh, there's a case, two charges that has been opened against you, sir. We arrested this woman with counterfeit money and she told us that she's a sex worker and uh, the money she got on her uh, came from a last client. That client being you, sir. Caller identification app True Caller shows the number is linked to a cop and the allegations are about to take an even more sinister turn. Where did you get the money that you paid this lady with? Because it was fake money and she's opening up a rape charge against you, sir. With the threat of imprisonment hanging over the so-called client, the cop offers the man a way out. Pay up and you don't get arrested. It's a game. A game of seeing how much profit you can gain from a victim. What criminologist Professor Annie Hesselink is describing is extortion. It's like a hawk-dove interaction, communication process, which involves um, domination, fear, humiliation, uh, intimidation. But this is also blatant police corruption. Hawke's investigator, Captain Jacques Loeg, picked up on the case. The investigation started with a complainant that uh, laid a charge with us regarding a police official that was extorting him for money. That is not the case. There are no cops running this racket. The extortionists are impersonating police officers. And this scam is being run from inside of a correctional services facility, from inside a prison. Captain Loeg's investigation led him to the Mabobane ODI Correctional Facility in Gauteng. On the cell phone data, I could see that all the calls were day and night were coming from that area. And once I established that, I could see that this was indeed not a police official that was extorting this, this, this person. Pretending to be a cop is a deliberate move. It means the targets are unlikely to ask too many questions. This makes the persuasion and the control and the coercion and the intimidation so much stronger. 
and makes the victim so much more vulnerable to this type of crime. So committed to the con, the extortionists even forward victims this video clip. After work is too late, we need to settle it now. We're already busy with the paperwork. It is a real cop in the video clip. He is not involved. The audio has been dubbed in. It's the voice of one of the extortionists. To make the con even more legit, a warrant of arrest is sent to the victim. Would you WhatsApp a warrant of arrest? Never. In this case, uh, the procedures that are being followed by these impersonators is definitely not police procedure. The warrant of arrest is signed by a Captain Leon Bester. But that's not the man in the photo's real name. No, he is actually Gerard Prinsley. He is not even in South Africa. He lives in Ireland and resigned from the South African Police Service. Lo and behold, there was my picture that was taken. And the next minute I got a call from the investigating officer. So for the record, Gerard, you've never been involved in this extortion scam at all? No, I was not, never. You weren't even in the country? It's an elaborate extortion racket with multiple role players and different elements at play. The first step is finding a target. This is where the ladies of the night come in. Sex workers are contacted via their online profiles by the extortionists, promising them cash for selling out their less favored clients, from the no-shows to the bad payers. We spoke to a sensual massage therapist who asked us to hide her identity. They said that they deserve it anyway, so might as well get money out of the guys. And how much did they offer you? So they basically said for each contact that they get money out of, they would give me a certain percentage. And, and did they bug you a lot? A lot. If I block them on one number, the next number they contact me on, it's threats from the get-go. This next clip is one of those threatening voice notes. You're in deeper sh now. You will be exposed and you will lose everything. In the end, most of the women offer up clients as extortion targets. The convicts hone in on the target's worst fears, threatening delays in investigation and DNA processing, arrest without bail and, ironically, time behind bars. I don't think most of the time the issue of the rape is a problem for them because I know they didn't rape anyone. But proving it is a process and it's going to be a lengthy process. And a lot of damage will be done if you do not pay this money. In this next clip, an extortionist can be heard. If you're going to come to the station, you're going to make things very difficult because you are listed as a sex offender and I'm supposed to arrest you. To make the con a success, the inmates will need an operational bank account. Captain Loeg analyzed a network of bank accounts used by the inmates for the cash they make from their crimes. These accounts were all opened on a cell phone, on a banking app. You need to have data and you need to take a photo of yourself and obviously provide your address. And yes, from there you can do internet banking. While sitting in prison? While sitting in prison. The inmates submitted verification selfies on the banking app. The addresses they used were fake. 
definitely a gentleman's club. Gen yeah, it's a gentleman's club. And um, six of the account's addresses were linked to this address. We tested the process by downloading the app on a temporary phone, using an unrelated address and providing minimum information. We managed to open an account without verifying any details in minutes. And just like that, we were able to transfer money in and out of the account immediately. No checks, no restrictions from the bank. Globally, this is not an unusual business practice for digital banks. Nishal Mewalal represents the South African Banking Risk Information Center. There is an expectation of you to come into the bank and formally fully activate the capability on the account. So, I mean, a prisoner's never going to go inside the bank. Well, maybe it's never the intention of the prisoner to fully activate the entire capability of the account. While legally banking systems are not designed to prevent people from opening accounts or transacting, it does appear to create a window of opportunity for criminal syndicates. The laws are designed to ensure that we can identify who we're doing business with, then you must keep records, then you should have a transaction monitoring system, and then you've got a report. But in this scam we're investigating, it didn't happen like that. Prisoners in orange uniforms opened bank accounts online, moved 1.3 million rand through two accounts in a matter of two and a half months, and no one in the bank raised an eyebrow until the hawks stepped in. Statements show money flowing in and out of the accounts almost instantly. There's cell phone data that's being purchased, so there's a lot of cash sends, and then money that were paid over to other accounts, large amounts. Some of them are co-prisoners inside prison. The bank in question is Capitec. In a written response, it states that the bank is following procedure. It is FICA compliant and that account applications are monitored to the extent that even client clothing is analyzed. But clearly, these slipped through, as did the cell phones enabling this criminal activity. We reached out to two sources and within an hour, we were sent images from inside a prison, all taken by an inmate with his own personal smartphone. The prisoner taking the pics is serving time for armed robbery and attempted murder. Where are you right now? In Kosimampur. Prison? Yeah. Do the other prisoners there also have phones? Yeah, almost the whole prison, you see. Singaba Kongumalo is from the Department of Correctional Services. Are cell phones allowed in prison? Cell phones are not allowed to an extent that we define them as contraband. I want to show you some images. These were sent to us yesterday. And if you flick through here, I mean, what do you see? Yeah, uh, that's uh, often the uniform. Inside of? Ins inside the correctional facility. And. These were taken with a cell phone? With the, yes, with a mobile phone. It seems it's an open secret. And even if a prison warden catches you, it's not such a biggie. Sometimes you know. Sometimes you know when they find you charging, they find a phone in your possession. Some they take, some give them money. They don't take it. 
Is it then safe to say that these criminals are actually sharper than you as a department? The modus operandi will always change. It becomes difficult when you have some within your force who work against you. Hence, it's important that we get rid of those people. We can no longer tolerate that. But when? Because already in 2014, Carte Blanche did a story about these cell phones in prisons. Here we are sitting almost a decade later. It's, it's something that we can never give up on. But it seems a life of crime is something these inmates can't give up on either. It's a mindset. They are not in prison to be rehabilitated. They get a, a psychological kick out of it. Like, I am in prison and I can still operate and no means of control will be able to stop me from recommitting and reoffending crime. Based on all the evidence, a raid was done. 36 cell phones were confiscated and four prisoners were charged with extortion and the impersonation of police officials. Mumalo concedes it's an ongoing battle. The ideal solution here is that prisoners should not be having cell phones. We're looking at other means, I said even legislative-wise, to say, uh, should we be allowed to you know, block the signal in particular areas? But if these are the things that we're exploring. And Captain Lurk's investigation is ongoing. Investigation of crime is a systematic search for the truth. So we will go on. It's like a tennis game. If you to us, we will be back. We will keep on going until we disable this modus operandi. As the world evolves, so too does technology. And alarmingly, the mastermind's able to put it to criminal use. Smart devices literally place the world in criminal hands, allowing them to target the unsuspecting with the push of a button. So should prisoners be allowed to have mobile devices in prison? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for joining yet another episode of Carte Blanche, the podcast. Keep the conversation going online. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't forget to rate and review us. Your feedback is always appreciated. And subscribe to our podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode.